I know it's hard to believe sometimes, but even athletes at the top of their game can develop health ailments. Cyrus Wittig here with you on ESPN West Palm tonight. Some of those health ailments, like the one Chicago White Sox pitcher Liam Hendricks dealt with, uh, received treatment on the diagnosis of stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. You go to Cincinnati, Joe Burrow underwent surgery to remove an appendix, um, and then across the pond, English Premier League coach uh, Antonio Conte underwent gallbladder surgery. So right now, we are here with Dr. Philip Moyer to talk about those sorts of ailments. Dr. Moyer is a general surgeon specializing in minimally invasive and robotic surgery with the Palm Beach Health Network Physician Group and on staff at Good Samaritan Medical Center in West Palm Beach and also Palm Beach Gardens Medical Center. He joins us on ESPN West Palm tonight. So Dr. Moyer mentioned that Joe Burrow underwent surgery to remove his appendix uh, a a while back. Just want to start there. Just want to start there. Give us the signs, symptoms, and overview of the things that lead to an appendectomy. Yeah, generally appendicitis is going to be something that uh, usually it comes on over a day or so, uh, generally a lower abdominal pain. A lot of times people feel like they have gas, maybe they have a little constipation or something like that. Um, but then um, yeah, over the course of a, of a day or so, that pain continues to intensify. Every once in a while, people will run fevers with that. Um, people can get very sick from appendicitis, and the appendix can actually rupture, and, and people can die from it. Fortunately, it's not something that happens um, in our country uh, very often anymore now that we have uh, more access to medical care. But generally, lower abdominal pain, kind of a crampy abdominal pain that is unrelenting. And if something like that were to happen, then, yeah, just either uh, call your regular doctor if it's during duty hours. Otherwise, you probably need to go to your uh, closest facility and, and get some uh, some care. Dr. Moyer, how do you determine when an appendectomy is needed? The majority of the time, people that come in with uh, these type of symptoms, um, they generally get uh, what we call a, um, a CT scan. And the CT scan will um, let us know, it's about, uh, I want to say about 95% accurate at picking up on uh, appendicitis. So a CAT scan is just a special type of x-ray. It uh, shows us multiple images. And from that, we can see if there's inflammation around the appendix. Mm -hmm. And if there's uh, inflammation around the appendix as well as some other signs, then generally the patient's diagnosed with appendicitis. And uh, those patients uh, will require treatment. And there's a couple of different ways of taking care of that. used to uh, almost uh, all patients wound up getting an operation now there's uh, some thought that maybe we can treat some of these uh, cases with antibiotics. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on what we see on a CAT scan. Sure. Obviously, a very active community down here in South Florida. What does the recovery time look like for an appendectomy? When, when can patients usually expect to be up and at them and, and doing their favorite athletic activities? Yeah, it depends on the patients, obviously. Uh, My wife's a big pickleball player. Uh, She loves that. Um, I haven't been able to get out there and play very much. I generally tell patients that if they're in my hands, if I do an appendectomy in the the typical fashion that I do them, I generally tell them they go back to normal activities within a couple of weeks as well. 
here on ESPN West Palm tonight with Dr. Philip Moyer, general surgeon specializing in minimally invasive and robotic surgery with the Palm Beach Health Network Physician Group. Dr. Moyer, going across the pond, one of the most successful soccer managers in the world, Antonio Conte, underwent gallbladder surgery in 2023 after he was diagnosed with, and correct me if I'm butchering the pronunciation here, but diagnosed with cholecystitis. Uh, What is cholecystitis? So anytime you hear the word itis or the um, the attachment itis, itis just means inflammation, and uh, coli is uh, gallbladder. So cholecystitis is just inflammation of the gallbladder. Mm-hmm. What that means. So that's what he suffered from. What are the signs and symptoms of, of something like that of cholecystitis? Uh, they can vary, but typically patients will have a um, either oh upper abdominal pain or right upper quadrant abdominal pain. So underneath the right rib cage is where the gallbladder sits. The gallbladder is embedded in the liver there underneath on the right side. And so patients will get a variety of symptoms, but generally we say uh, crampy abdominal pain. Uh, sometimes they can run fevers. Um, the uh, When I say crampy abdominal pain, I say that kind of passe, but it can be extremely mm-hmm. uh, intense. Uh, my wife also had, she had cholecystitis several years ago. She said it was worse than childbirth. Um, so it's no joke. <clears throat> uh, but generally patients will have uh, kind of a crampy abdominal pain in the right upper part of their abdomen or even in the uh, the mid part of their abdomen. I've noticed a lot of older patients will actually feel like they're having a heart attack. Mm. So they feel like they actually have some uh, some chest pain, um, you know, some um, very upper abdominal pain. And so it varies, but uh, but those are some of the symptoms that we look for in patients. Dr. Moyer, are gallbladder issues such as cholecystitis, are those usually genetic or are they more random from person to person? Uh, I would say in our country, uh, most commonly cholecystitis is due to gallstones. But, um, you know, but gallstones in and of themselves, um, most of the time they're due to an imbalance in um, um, what we call bile pigments and cholesterol. But you can actually have gallstones. uh, Some patients who suffer from sickle cell anemia, uh, they also can get um, stones. They, they're a different type of stone. They're what's called pigment stones. But for the most part in, uh, in our country, it's, a, it's kind of an imbalance. Genetics, probably some genetic component to it, but it's one of those things that's so common that we don't really run a lot of genetic tests on it just because it's kind of like appendicitis. Mm. So many people have it that we don't really run genetic tests on that. Dr. Moyer, in dealing with an appendicitis and cholecystitis, how do those surgeries differ? How are they similar? Can you just c- kind of compare and contrast the two? Uh, we do them in similar fashion, Cyrus. We do a uh, what we call minimally invasive. So I would say that I'm saying that in general. So mm-hmm. for the most part, that's the way we do them. We uh, do both surgeries in a similar fashion. Small incisions, uh, we go in with a camera, um, also with a variety of instruments, uh, stapling devices, clips, and, and things like that. So, yeah, similar uh, surgeries in the, in the fact that we do them all what we call minimally invasive. Mm-hmm. So small incisions, um, and that leads to faster recovery, uh, less risk of wound infections. Patients bounce back really quick and uh, get back to normal activities. 
couple more things here with Dr. Philip Moyer, general surgeon specializing in minimally invasive and robotic surgery with Palm Beach Health Network Physician Group. And Dr. Moyer, I know that one of those specialties is minimally invasive hernia surgery. When we think about or hear about a hernia in our world, ESPN 106.3, we think of sports hernias. Can you, I guess, explain the different types of hernia care that that you see, again, with the Palm Beach Health, Health Network Physician Group? The sports hernias are, are different than, than regular hernias. A regular hernia, which is what I do uh, mm-hmm. a lot of, the regular hernias are going to be an actual defect, or when I say defect, an actual uh, opening in the, uh, the wall of the, uh, of the abdominal, um, the abdominal wall. Um, and so what can happen in a regular hernia is you can actually get intestines that can poke through that actual defect. And that's the reason why we fix hernias, uh, to begin with is because we don't want that to, to occur because if a loop of intestine comes through a hole, then that can get stuck and it can cause obviously life-threatening, uh, problems because it can start to lose its blood supply, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are the majority of, of surgeries that I do. Uh, sports hernias are different. They're going to be more a weakness or an injury to the, um, usually to the, um, the musculature uh, tendons or ligaments that connect the uh, abdominal wall musculature or the uh, adductors of the legs also where they connect into the, um, uh, the pubis. Mm-hmm. And so it's what we call... Um, Pubic uh, arthralgia is one uh, one word for it. Athletic pubalgia is a, is a uh, what we call a sports hernia, and so it's just a inf- inflammation from the insertions of the the musculature or ligaments to the uh, the pubic bone. Doctor Moyer, we've mentioned that you specialize in robotic surgery. Again, Palm Beach Health Network Physician Group. Can you explain how you use robotic assisted surgery and, and the benefits? of robotic assist, assisted surgery and, and maybe some instances where it doesn't add a lot of value? Well, for me, uh, it depends on what, uh, what type of case that you're doing. Mm. I think that there's probably not a lot of advantages to certain surgeries that you can do uh, minimally invasive, such as laparoscopic versus uh, minimally invasive robotic. But the other uh, side of that is, is a lot of of cases that we do robotically that I think are significantly better for patients and significantly easier for us to perform on a robotic platform than they are on a laparoscopic platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the robotic platform, your visualization is significantly better than in uh, a laparoscopic platform. Also, the instrumentation that you have is is far more advanced than what you have in a uh, laparoscopic case. Um, and I kind of look at it or think of it that if you're just comparing minimally invasive surgeries, I would say laparoscopic surgery is a two-dimensional surgery, whereas robotic surgery is a three-dimensional surgery. Mm-hmm. So you have, you have depth, you have perce- uh, a different perception, you have wristed instruments that can move and flex. And so it's just a lot... Um, I think of robotic surgery as kind of a hybrid operation to me or a hybrid surgical technique, which would be a hybrid of an open operation, which is probably in, in my training, at least we did most of our cases open. And so you can see, you can feel, you can touch, um, lapros- I'm sorry, robotic surgery is a, a nice hybrid approach between an open and a laparoscopic. So you can have that same 
visualization that you do in an open operation with mm -hmm. a robotic platform, but you have the minimally invasive advantages that you do in laparoscopic. Awesome stuff. Well, Dr. Moyer, I will let you go. But again, appreciate the time, all the insight, all the info. Looking forward to our next chat down the road here in 2024. All right, Cyrus. Yep, good to be with you. One more time, that was Dr. Philip Moyer, general surgeon specializing in minimally invasive and robotic surgery with the Palm Beach Health Network Physician Group. You can visit pbhnphysiciangroup.com. Again, pbhnphysiciangroup.com or call Dr. Moyer's office at 772-800-5110. Offices located at 3370 Burns Road, Suite 206 in Palm Beach Gardens. Also, Palm Beach Gardens Medical Center at 900 Southeast Becker Road in Port St. Lucie.